So one of the mistakes that I often make whenever I, as a parent, is um, just, a, yeah, well, and really as just a general human, is I think that if I could just tell you the right thing, you will adapt and adjust. But that's never worked when I, when I do it in the mirror. So I'm, I'm always confused whenever I catch myself feeling as if I could just say, oh, well, here's the way to do this. Um, I was, I, Clara plays basketball and I'm always um, telling, telling her, drive, drive into their chest. You know, they won't know what to do. They'll just go with me. And I think I've got, I've got the whole basketball thing under control. And then we were playing basketball Monday night and my hip went out. My hip. I am 39. My hip. I googled hip brace. It's just a walker. Like, I'm 39. And my hip still hurts. This week, often, I've said, oh, my hip. I'm going to get a life alert thing. I'm going to, it's crazy when you think you have it all like figured out, all under control. This is, this is the footwork you do when you drive. I, my footwork was great driving. I, that was being guarded by this 17-year-old kid. He didn't stand a chance. And I went by him and planted and went this way and my hip just went, oh no, you know. And Johnny hit me in the head. I didn't even know that happened. My hip was yelling at me so much. He told me, I said, I was worried because I hit you in the head. I said, you what? Things don't go the way you expect them to go. You think I've done this a thousand times. I've done it this way a thousand times. And then this one time I do it this way. It just didn't work or it didn't feel right. It didn't seem like the right thing to do. I've not made a mistake over and over again, and here I am making the mistake. And just telling people how to do it is very different. And it's really easy to tell people how to do things, super easy, especially if you aren't the one having to do it. Just go to a little league baseball game. Much less go to a college football game or watch football with somebody and, and watch them go, oh, he should have made that catch. He was running a thousand miles per hour, being chased by someone who wanted to commit a crime if it were outside of the, the, the football arena. Is that what they call them? Stadiums. <laughs> Outside of the stadium, he, like, if, if, if someone tackled you the way they tackle that receiver, they would arrest that person. It's hard to catch a football. It's hard to throw a strike. It's hard to organize an event. And the critics can sit back and go, well... If I could just tell them, 
then they will do it correctly. And that's not how we or the world works, is it? You remember when you were a, a teenager? Lord bless some of you. You think, oh, my parents, looking back. John's going, yes. They, that sense of they don't know what they're talking about. There's no way we can speak into the lives of the people around us just with our words and change their mind. And if you feel bad about that, I want to introduce you to a group of people called the disciples. That the, the Son of God became man and spent three years with these guys and deeply affected them but did not at times change their mind. For example, it was the predominant thought of the day that that when the Messiah came, that one of the main roles of the Messiah was to place himself back on the throne and to get rid of the Roman occupancy in first century Israel. Yes, Israel was its own place and it, it had its own practices and its own, it, it, it was, it worshipped at the temple. It didn't have to worship Caesar. There were some benefits they had because they were Israel. But the Roman guards marched down the street. And the Roman guards could come into your house. There were crosses on a hill. A sign of Roman power. Oftentimes you would be minding your own business and some Roman guard would come up and they would say, they would say, you need to carry my shield and sword. I'm walking a mile. You have to go this way with me. The Messiah was going to come end all of that. Run them out of town. And everyone before Jesus who claimed to be a Messiah, their set goal was to run the Romans out. Start revolution. And then Jesus shows up. And the disciples see things they've never seen before. They see Jesus feed thousands. They see Jesus heal the multitudes. Cast evil spirits out of people. But they also sit on a hill and hear him say things like, if someone asks you to carry, your, carry their stuff one mile, Take it too. If someone asks for your cloak, give them your shirt as well. And so there was this difference between the power of this man and what he was using that power to teach. That how is the kingdom going to come how is the messiah going to run all these romans out of how is the kingdom going to come whenever he's talking about carrying their swords well if i get the sword maybe i can but that's why we have a man like peter a fisherman pulling a sword out in a garden swinging at people's heads 
That's how we have men asking questions. Even after Jesus dies on the cross and is resurrected and they, them saying, wait, hold on, Jesus. Now? Because they still had it in their head that, that Jesus' throne would be a throne that worked the way the earthly thrones work. That the king, of the, the, the king, the Messiah, would be a king the way the earthly kingdom works. And it just wasn't so. Feels like they're having a final meeting here in Acts. They're looking around at each other and going, Luke's done, Acts is starting. It feels like this is the end, they said. What Jesus now would be a good time. My goodness, how many times have you said that in your life? God, now would be a good time for me to get my way. I've been waiting to get my way. Now would be a good time. They come to Jesus and they ask him just that question. Let's just flat out say it, huh? Can we ask finally? They said, let's put the scripture back up there. So when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Lord, is this time? Is now the time when you will restore the kingdom to Israel? Now, the answer, that's a yes or no question. If you, those of you who are teachers know that yes or no questions do not always get yes or no answers. Do you have a pencil? Well, well is not an option. That's a yes or no question. But you know what that kid's doing? That kid is reframing your question because just to say yes or no doesn't tell the whole story. And it most definitely doesn't absolve them of blame. Well means no, but I've got good reason. Yes or no question. Is now the time? And Jesus, his answer just floors me. It is not for you to know. You don't get to know. You don't get to know. It is not for you to know the time or the periods that the Father has set by his own authority. It is not for you to know. This is tough for my soul. Because I want to know, don't you? Not this. I mean, this, is, this never seemed like something I want. Like, I, 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 don't need a, I don't need an earthly king. That's not a goal I'm hoping for. I'm not asking the same questions the disciples are asking. 
but it is not for you to know. Do you have a pencil? It is not for you to know. <laughs> Doesn't sit well with me all the time. That's not for me to know. And I grew up in a world where you had to know everything and know why you knew it. You had to give good reasons. I had a blue bookmark that was bigger than my Bible. It had important verses of the Bible on there. I don't know if that's what it was called. Y'all might have had these. And it had every topic that, that anyone could argue about. And it had the verses... The, the scriptural bullets with which you would load your debate gun. And you just knew, well, first let's turn to Acts 2. I win. Well, they had their own and they would, and I was, I would, I, I'm certain that what God says, God meant. But what I meant was, I am certain that I am right about what I've heard. I was speaking with a woman a while back. It was back when we lived in Arkansas. All these stories happened in Arkansas. It was just a wild place <laughs> full of saloons and nightmares. And but I was speaking with a woman in Arkansas, and she was, she was talking about a particular passage, and she said, she said, oh, this isn't so, because that, and this. And I said, well, actually, some of the smartest people I've read about it um, think, say that this and this and this, and, and I just was, I, I, we were having what I thought was a friendly disagreement. And she said, well, I don't listen. To what man says. Like, oh. You forgot you're a human. <laughs> that just because someone has spent their whole life reading. And, and, and exploring and trying to understand and wrestling. Just because they say it out loud. But, and it gets to your brain through your ear. Instead of you just having your own thoughts and it getting to your brain through your brain. You just said your opinion too. Now, I get it. I don't want to listen to man. It's all I've got. I wish God would tell me some things. And make it and, and just help me. But that doesn't happen. This isn't for you to know. I can't imagine a teacher telling me that when I was young. This isn't for you to know. Sometimes we just don't know. Well, but, but God doesn't like us when we don't know. God doesn't like us when we're wrong. Sometimes you're going to be wrong. Jesus didn't say, oh, you're right or wrong about this. 
He also didn't point to the many, many things he had said that had indicated that their presuppositions about the kingdom of heaven were incorrect. He didn't say, guys, all right, let's go back to Luke 4. Um, I don't know if it's Luke 4, but he didn't say go back. He didn't point to anything. He just said, this isn't for you to know. But I tell you what. The power of the Holy Spirit is going to show up. I love, just read it all in context. So when they'd come together, they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you, you will restore the kingdom of Israel? He replied, it is not for you to know the times or periods that the Father has set by his own authority. But... You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. There are going to be people show up at our door who do not know things. And the Holy Spirit's leading them anyway. There are going to be people arrive, There are people who show up um, at the table, as we've talked about last all through January, and say, "I'm here." And our first instinct shouldn't be, "Well, there's some things you've got to know." Because the Spirit of God is going to work on people. There's a, a thing happening right now um, that's very serious, and I find it very funny. Can we do the both of those at the same time? Um, there's not for you to know if we can do that or not. <laughs> Thank you. One point, DJ. <laughs> a lot of you are like, I didn't know we were doing this for points. I would have been saying things earlier. No, but, okay, so there is a lot, a lot of... Younger people, and by that I mean people who do not throw out their hips playing basketball. <laughs> there are younger people who have been going to church their whole life who are starting to go, is this insane? Is this even real? Is this worth doing? And that's not the funny part. The funny part are the preachers who are getting all up in their feelings because people are doing that. Preachers who watch people go, hey, the thing you've been teaching me about my whole life, I'm starting to think that that might not be true or at least it's not true in the way you were saying it's true and I'm really wrestling with this. And preachers, they're calling it, the, the word I guess is deconstruction. Or re-examination. You can call it whatever you want. But they're, well, and the preachers are speaking out against deconstruction. Stop, stop. This isn't good. This isn't healthy. And sure, there's all sorts of ways things can be unhealthy. But as a preacher, what I find hilarious is I've spent 16, 17 years now, as a, 17 years now as a preacher asking people to re-examine what they've always thought. 
to take fresh looks at what, what, what is. And, and so many preachers are doing that. And on all parts of the spectrum, if you're like that church in Footloose that doesn't want people to dance, which is a Christian church, by the way, not a Baptist church. That's a misconception. <laughs> That Footloose Church is a part of our tribe. We have to own it. So, so there, if you're part of that church, you're going, you love to dance. You should not dance. You're, you're asking people to just re-examine themselves. That's nonsense. But it's still the way we function is we're trying to re-examine self so that we can look more like Jesus, because if you think you're set as is, then that's a problem in the kingdom of God. If you think I've got this figured out and those people who are wavering, they're the trouble. Now, they're 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 where the Holy Spirit's going. The sense of. Is 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 what I've always thought the way I'm supposed to think. Now, that can lead you in so many places. It can lead you to unhealthy places, too, without the power of the Holy Spirit. But God is more often likely to work through humility or even ignorance. And he works against arrogance. What God is calling us to, what the Spirit calls us to, is a life open to change not change the way the church is doing it you know that that, that, that sometimes that, that to me that's faux change now there may be times where we're like that needs to change we change it and it's done but real change comes from the power of the Holy Spirit not because we know something but because the Spirit has moved in our community and in us. Real change is oftentimes a growth in love, an extra measure of peace, an abundance of joy. It's rarely just this intellectual, well, I did a thesis on this, so therefore... Nolan on the way to church today said... Daddy, is Jesus, are Jesus and God the same? And I was like, well, let's, I guess let's start a master's class now. <laughs> so this is stuff studied in graduate school. And I said, the, the, short, the short answer is yes. He goes, what's the long answer? And I said, well, that's yes too. But it's the good thing to remember. A good thing to remember is that if I can't understand God, that means God created me. And if I fully understand God, I created God. And so there's parts of confusion that are holy. There's parts of not knowing that are holy. And it's that sometimes that ignorance where the Holy Spirit pushes us and doesn't push us to knowledge, but pushes us. To power. And when people are questioning, may this be a place they can question and feel loved. When they are wondering, 
or wandering. I want this to be the place they can wander into and wander in. That sentence was easier to type than it was to say. This, this community, this table, needs to exist for the uncertain and the ignorant and the, those who are wrestling with the stuff that it's just not there for them to know. And we also need to be a challenging presence in the life of the arrogant who have it all figured out. And let me be honest with you, that can happen on both sides of every argument. And I'm not a both sides kind of person. I don't like that. Well, we got to play both sides. No. But it is possible to, er to jump out of the ditch and run to the other one and jump in. Maybe on the different side of the road and you feel better than not. I'm not in the ditch over there with those people, but at least you're still in a ditch. Arrogance can stay with us as we learn things. And a sense of openness and ignorance and um, curiosity can stay with us as we learn things too. I remember being an arrogant believer. Now, uh, I, I just I panic saying stuff like this because you guys, not all of you grew up in the Church of Christ and you just don't know the paradigm. But there are churches of Christ that people would die, like literally die, if you brought a ukulele in here. And you're like, well, it's my time. And they would just go. They would give up their spirit. <laughs> I haven't been there in a long time. If you're still there, I, I love you too. But I remember passionately believing that. Like I was there. There were times I watched people blow a pitch pipe. I thought, what in the world is happening here? He better not blow two notes. And then it's music and I don't like it. I was there. And I remember the day I just kind of, I was, I was sitting in my office at, uh, as a youth minister and thought, oh, I've been wrong about that. And all those other idiots are wrong about it too. And I watched the devil flip me over his head with my good momentum, land me in the other ditch. And I remember thinking, oh, the trick is not to move your window of grace to a new group of people. It's to widen it out so that you can see everybody's story and their existence and their, and their place in their own life more clearly, that grace is this big expansive thing that God offered to me in a big expansive way and people are going through their own stories and now I'm offering it to them in a big expansive way I, I can't imagine a better community than that
And it's a community that is brought to us by the grace of Jesus and the promise of a powerful Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, you are holy. We don't know everything about you. We don't have it figured out. We can read all the scholarly books in the world, all the libraries in the world, and they cannot tell of your goodness. So we humbly sit in our ignorance, in our confusion. When we've demanded for an answer and you've said that's not for you to know, maybe we not fight against that leading. But may we accept the power of your spirit to do good in this world. God, work in our ignorance and our humility and our confusion at times and work against our arrogance. May we be a people who are resoundingly your people, not because we have it right, not because we have it figured out, because we have you. And you are all we need to offer to the world. It's in your son's name we pray.